This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, was an American detective drama created by Blake Edwards and aired on radio from 1949 through to 1953 and on television from 57 to 1960. Dick Powell stars as a wisecracking former police officer turned private detective. Tonight's episode's entitled The Jacoby Case. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Diamond Detective Agency, the smiling gumshoe. Rick. Sign up for our new contest and win yourself a beautiful all-chrome, pre-tested, genuine electric chair. Oh, lovely. What do I have to do? Just tear off your scalp and send it along with 25 words or less why you love Richard Diamond. I can do it in two words. What are they? You're pretty. Oh, you win, you win. Where do you want the chair sent, madam? 975 Park Avenue, but I think I have AC current. No problem with the Jiffy Toaster chair. It works on any current AC-DC. And we have it in three speeds, 45, 78, and long playing. Oh, no. Oh, Rick, that's awful. Hello, baby. Hi. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. What's with you? Oh, I just thought I'd call and find out if I'm still going to see you tonight. Yes, ma'am. We gonna stay in? Well, I thought I'd have Francis fix dinner and we could sit around and listen to records or something, but if you'd rather go out, I... No, 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 baby. I think that would be lovely. And so does my bank account. Oh, broke again? Not quite. A little bent. I hope the next client I get has a big, fat trust fund. Well, don't you worry about it. I'll see you around eight. Okay. Bye, baby. Bye. Oh, now let's see. Six shirts, four pairs of socks, and... Hey, how did that get in there? Well... Oh. Okay, okay. Yeah? Well, what's the matter with you? You lost up my laundry. What are you talking about? Today isn't Tuesday. Okay, Walt, so it isn't Tuesday. Nothing's happening around this place. I felt like doing some washing. Why don't you put it away and come on down here? I'll give you something to do. What do you mean? You sound like you're surrounded by Sergeant Otis's relatives. I got a big headache. I think maybe you can help me with it. Trouble? All over the place. You don't have to, but I'd like to, well, sort of kick it around with you. Sure, sure, sure. I'll throw a few more things into soak and I'll be right down. Oh, thanks, Rick. Hey, it's really serious, isn't it? Now, what makes you say that? Look, Father... 
Every time your ulcers hold a rally and you want me to come down and join in, you say, thanks, Rick, just like I'd laid an egg or something for you. Oh, you think you're pretty smart, don't you? Sure. If I listen to everybody who thinks I'm not, I'd wind up playing mumbly peg in a straitjacket. I'll be right over. Well, that's the way trouble can get in the way of an otherwise quiet afternoon. Walt doesn't usually call me like that, but when he does, I know things are bound to get pretty rough. I tossed all of my shirts into soap, closed up the office. Twenty minutes later, I was walking into the squad room of the 5th Precinct Police Station. I spotted Sergeant Otis hopping around like a crapshooter on his 10th pass. Well, what's with you, Otis? Huh? Oh, don't bother me now, Shamus. I gotta get these reports into Lieutenant. Well, well, get you. What's the matter? Did you suddenly discover you were working for the police department? Uh, now, that's very funny. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, you gotta laugh. Now beat it. The lieutenant expects you. Well, all right. But for Pete's sakes, Otis, stop acting like that and don't bust into the lieutenant's office like that. You'll swear you've been doped and start an investigation. Shama, someday I ain't even gonna bother to answer you. Sergeant, the day you don't open your mouth to say something stupid, the whole world will start singing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And while I think about it, why don't you start combing your hair? What's the matter with it? Looks like a mattress after the lions got through with it. Oh... Hello, Walt. Hello, Rick. Sit down. Oh, maybe I should have worn black, hmm? That or a propeller on my hat. First, I run into Otis, acting like he was shot out of a cannon. Then I waltz in here and you give me that big hello like you just discovered a body in your desk. Land Jacoby is back in town. What? What? Yes. Oh, but, but we got an indictment on him. Got him deported six years ago. Look, Rick, there's no mistake. One of our stoolies brought us word. Oh, but that's crazy. Jacoby knows the feds will pick him up in a second. How'd he get back in? Who knows? Florida, maybe. Last we heard, he disappeared in Italy. And about six months later, we got a report he was seen in Cuba. Oh, are you just going to take the stoolie's word for it? Uh, what else have you got? I got three bodies to date, and they're all very dead. Jacoby? It's got to be. Why? Well, the first two are the guys that turned state's evidence and helped to put Jacoby away. You remember them, Ross and Kreisel. Jacoby swear he'd get him someday. Who's the third? The stoolie who gave us the tip. Walked out of the station and... Somebody with a Thompson scattered them all over the front steps. Right in front of the station? Yeah. It'll be in the evening papers. The commissioner is very unhappy. How about the feds? Are they working on it? Up to their necks. But nobody can find out how he got in or where he might be hiding out. Oh, here's something else that makes a sure it's Jacoby. In this town, there are at least five of Jacoby's old mob. The minute this thing broke, we started to check. They've all disappeared. You think they're organizing again? Oh, Walt, come on Rick, now. I don't know what to think. That's why I wanted you to come down. You're one of the guys who worked on the Jacoby case. You remember a lot about it. Well, sure, but... Oh, now you can't tell me Jacoby is going to try to start operating again. It's a one-way pass to that little green room up at Sing Sing. I know it, I know it, I know it. But you tell me. I don't know how to figure it. You can't find anybody else who's seen Jacoby. No, just the stoolie. He's going to make a swell witness. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant. Yeah? Uh, we just got a report on the teletype. Jacoby? Uh, yeah. Florida reports the body of a man found out in the Biscayne Keys... Uh, they check and find out he was a Cuban, uh, charter boats for fishing trips. And the immigration boys check with the authorities in Cuba, and it turns out that this dead guy took a party of two out for a trip and never now, showed wait a up again. Wait a minute, you said a party of two? Yeah, a dame and a guy. Well, what makes you think the guy with the dame was Jacoby? Because the description fitted Jacoby exactly. And the feds say that Jacoby married a dame in Italy. And the dame that got on the boat fits the wife's description. Mm-hmm. Well, Rick? That's uh, ridiculous. Okay. We now agree on two things. Leon Jacoby is back in the States, and it's ridiculous. 
Will you give me a hand? I need somebody who really knew Jacoby. Hey, Diamond, did you really know Jacoby? Sure, sure, Otis. We used to go out and shoot dumb police sergeants together. Oh, hey, Lieutenant, why don't he ever give me a straight answer? Because it wouldn't fit your crooked head. Now go out and dig up some more reports. Okay. All right, Walt. Now let's, let's say Jacoby's going to start operating again. He's made sure of one thing. Nobody who's seen him is alive enough to testify. So? So this. I'll eight to five, Jacoby's going to make a quick haul someplace and do one more killing. You expect the killing? Uh, I expect an attempt. He's gotten two of the guys who put him away. He's just got uh, one more guy to tag. He said he'd do it himself and with a knife. That means he's got to find you. Yeah. The haul must be really important for him to risk coming into the States. He probably needs money to keep going, so he'll pull off the job and then try to get me. And he'll leave the country the same way he came in. Nobody can ever swear they saw him. Except the five guys in his mob. I think he'll kill every one of them, too. That's a lot of doing. Jacoby's a lot of killer. Now, we've got to find out where at least one of those guys is. We'll find Jacoby and try and stop the slaughter. Yeah, but you've got to watch your step, Rick. There's no telling when he's going to pull off the job and try to go to work on you. Look, I'm not happy about it. I'm really the guy who's responsible for putting Jacoby away, and I know him pretty well. He's got a vendetta, Walt. And guys like Jacoby don't figure they're their brother's keeper. The score is two out of three is one to go. He'll try his best to kill me and even it up. Well, where do you say we start? Ah, uh, I know. Oh, give me a list of the five guys you think are with Jacoby and all the information on them you got. It is right here. All right. Put two of your best men on these three guys at the bottom of the list, and you and I will start with these two on top. Okay, but I hope we find Jacoby in time. Walt, so do I. The way he uses that knife, I'll have to have all my clothes made out of bandage. Walt assigned two of his best men to start checking on the three names at the bottom of the list, and we took off for Flatbush. Our first man was a hoodlum named George Vale, and one of his favorite hangouts was a pool hall on Church Avenue. Snooker or straight pool? We want to talk. You want to talk? Go over to the park. Get yourself a box. Oh, look, your wisecracks can only give you a hollow mouth. Show him the badge, Walt. Oh, cops. Well, well, what do you want? You know a man named George Vale? Nope. Let's go. Hey, wait a minute. Look, I'm not going to fool around. The answers here will be a lot easier. We know Vale comes here a lot. If you don't want to tell us about him, the boys at the station have got time to help your memory along. You can't haul me in. What's the charge? Withholding police evidence. It can get you a couple of years. Let's go. Hey, wait a minute. Okay. Okay what? Oh, wait a minute. I just want to be sure no one sees me talking to you. Okay. I don't know much. Vale ain't been in here for a couple of days. Where does he live? I don't know. I swear I don't, but... I do know it's in the neighborhood. Sometimes I see him coming out of a little delicatessen across the street with a bundle of groceries. Let's go, Walt. Yeah. Oh, uh, thanks, Sporty. It's guys like you who make the police department such a happy little group. So, good afternoon, gentlemen. You own this place? Yes, there's something wrong. Does a man named George Vale come in here much? Oh, something is wrong. I told Mama that George was a no good. Then he does come in here. You're a policeman, maybe. Yes, we're policemen. Now, would you mind telling us, please, if uh, whether... Mama! Mamela! Oh, she must be out and back. I want to show her. She liked this George Philly. He was always with the flattery. Now I want to show her what happens to that no good. Mamela! Uh, please, please. We haven't got much time. Oh, I'm sorry, gentlemen. You must excuse an old man with so little excitement. So, now what can I do for you? Do you know where George Vale lives? Sure, sure. I'm sending him over stuff lots of times. 
It's up two blocks, but he ain't there. How do you know that? Because his wife, she's coming in for the last couple of days. Uh, she said he was out of town on business. He's got a wife? Sure, sure. A blonde. She's uh, not bad looking. Well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is Bayo's exact address? Uh, here, I'll write for you on a piece of paper. What time you got, Rick? Uh, 2.30. Uh, there are gentlemen. I hope you catch him for whatever he's done that's no good. Uh, we'll have to ask you not to mention this to anybody. Not even to Mama. Okay, to Mama, but you tell Mama to keep it a secret. Oh, oh, a secret. Well, maybe I'm not telling you for a couple of days yet. Come on, Walt. Are we going down to see Vale's wife? No, I got a better idea. Don't you think she'd know where Vale is? Maybe, but she's not going to tell us. But if we throw a scare into her, she might tell her husband something. If she knows where he is. Get Otis down here with a recording outfit. We'll wait until we see her leave the apartment and bug the place. No sense in tailing her. If Vale is with Jacoby, he wouldn't give her the address. Maybe he didn't tell her anything. Maybe he just took off. Eh, that's a chance we got to take. Maybe uh, he gave her a phone number where he could be reached. On the way down to the Vale address, put in a call at the precinct. All right. KXKB to KQAR. I'm at the corner of Flatbush and Church. Have Sergeant Otis report to me on a code three and tell him to step on it. Walt finished his report. We both went over and talked with the landlady in Vale's building. She told us that Mrs. Vale was still in her room and gave us an accurate description. Also, she agreed to pull down her window shade when Mrs. Vale left the building so that there wouldn't be a chance of missing her. Then we went back to the car to wait. In about 15 minutes, Otis showed up carrying a small portable recorder. Yeah, here you are, Lieutenant. All right, get in the back seat. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to wire somebody's apartment? No, I just thought it might be fun to play cops and robbers. Yeah. Now relax, we might be here for quite a while. Uh, not so long, Walt. Look, hmm? there goes the landlady's signal. Yeah. Mrs. Vale should be... There she comes. Yeah. Otis, get set. Hmm? We got to go up there and plant a bug before she comes back. I'm set. I got four cars at the intersections just in case she's got a car. If she walks, I got four men to tailor, depending on her direction. Yeah, she's crossing the street. KXKB to KQAR. Car 79314, stand by. Rick, you notice, get up there with a the bug. Right. Come on, Otis. Yeah. Right with you. Attention, the suspect is turning into Church Avenue, heading for New Lots. Long, five feet four, wearing a checkered coat and carrying a black bag. In here, Otis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is her room. The landlady said she'd unlock it for us as soon as Mrs. Vale left the building. Bingo. Go on in. Okay, okay. Now, plant it just like you knew what you were doing, Sergeant. I'll take the box down in the basement where we can listen. Give me five minutes and then give me a quick test. Ooh, how long have I got to set it up? Who knows? Don't worry about it too much. If Mrs. Vale comes in, just tell her you're selling tape recorders. Oh, she won't believe that. Otis, with your face, you'll have to believe something as stupid as that. I dropped the wire out of the window and went out and down into the basement. It was a slipshod way of wiring a room, but we were in a hurry and it would have to be enough. I set it up and waited for Otis to start croaking. Okay, Diamond, I'll start counting. One, two, three, four, five, uh... Six. Hey, I think I hear something coming. I'm going out the window. I'll see you in the basement. Ha, 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 ha. 
for Pete's sake. Gee, she nearly caught me. I come down the fire escape. Well, come on in. Yeah. Hey, how's it working? All right. Listen. Hey, she ain't got a bad voice. You probably got me plugged in with Morton Downey. What are we going to do? Just sit here and listen? The lieutenant's going to give Mrs. Vale a scare orders. Then we're going to listen. Mm, I don't get it. Shh. That's Walt. Who's there? The police, Mrs. Vale. Huh? Oh, well, wait just a minute. Hey, it sounds pretty good, don't it? Shut up, Otis. Yeah? I'm looking for your husband, Mrs. Vale. He isn't here. He's out of town. What's wrong? He's wanted. For what? Murder. Mind if I come in? Got a warrant? Okay, make it tough. Where's your husband? I told you. Well, we're out of town. You didn't tell me. Okay, I'll be back with a warrant. Now we'll see if it works. Hello, operator. Evergreen 33349, please. Yeah. Hello, George there? Oh, Tom Mary. Hello, honey. Oh, look, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know, but this is one of those times. Yeah, a cop was just here. Yeah, a cop. Murder. I don't know. No, I didn't let him in. Huh? Oh, I never thought of that. Okay, I won't call again. Bye, baby. Okay, Otis. Stay here and keep this thing going. I gotta get back to the lieutenant. Work? Yeah, like a dream. She called Evergreen 33349 and talked to George. I'll check the number. You start driving north, so we'll be in the general exchange area. KXKB calling KQAR, code 600 Evergreen We headed across town while Walt put in the code to the precinct. In less time than it takes Sergeant Otis to say, oh yeah, we had our address. Well, wouldn't you know it, another pool hall. Yeah, guy must like the game. Hope he's in. Pretty crowded, I don't... Oh, yeah. yeah. There he is. He sees us. He's going for the back door. Let's grab him. Right. Hey, let me go. All Take right. your hands off me, Joe. You're busting my arm. Just take it easy, Vale. All we want to do is talk to you. Come on, outside. Okay, okay. Go on, Vale. In the car. Quit shoving. I'm going. Walt, I'll wait. Now, Rick. Where did that shot come from? Got Vale in the chest. Yeah, across the street. Stay down. Yeah, look. Look, Vale, you're not going any place now. We know you're working for Jacoby, and we know he's close. The guy who just shot you is working for Jacoby, too. You're not going to cover up for a louse who just fingered you, are you? Jacoby's looking for you, too, Diamond. He's going to cut you up bad. Where's the hideout, Vale? I'm going to put in an 800 on this, Rick. I want this whole area surrounded. Come on, Vale. Where's Jacoby? Four, fifty... Uh... Fail. No, swell. Repeat, code 800 from Central Park West to 10th, from 59th Street to 64th Street, KXKC, now at Pool Hall, 9th Avenue, 60th Street. Okay, Rick, what's with Vale? Yeah, nothing. Dead? Yeah. Gave me half of Jacoba's address, 455, and then made the trip. 455? Well, come on, there can't be too many 455s within walking distance. What about Vale? Yeah, I'll call him for the wagon. Go ahead, I'll... 
I'll start checking apartment numbers. Now, you wait a minute. You better take it easy. Jacoby would like nothing better than to have you go knocking on his front door. If I know Jacoby, Walt, he's got the radio on and he knows just what you're doing. Besides, that finger man will tell him about Vale. Somebody's got to find him before he makes a break. He's done enough killing. Well, if you do run into something, you wait for the boys. Walt. Yeah? Bye. I took off and started checking addresses that began with 455. The first was cold turkey, nothing but a married couple who looked like they were in training for Madison Square Garden. I moved on. Somewhere in that neighborhood, Leon Jacoby was listening to his radio. Car 3, code 800, 455 to 61st Street. Car 16, 17, and 18. Shut it off, Jane. But, Leon, Avenue, same what's wrong code. in this whole area? Shut it off. All right. All right. I wish the boys would get back. All right, take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah, who is it? Eddie, boss. Okay. Boss, the cops... Come in, come in, come in. Two cops picked up Bill in the pool hall. Oh, so that's what it's all about. That Bill will talk. No, he, he won't. What do you mean? Well, I waited across the street. Got veiled when he came out with the two pigs. Oh, you did, huh? <laughs> well, well, you did me a favor, Ed. When I figured you didn't want anybody around that might squeal, you know, veil, wife and everything. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what else you did, Ed? Well, uh, no, what? When you plugged veil, you brought the whole New York police force right down on my neck. Huh? Yeah. So, I. <laughs> I gotta return the favor. Well, what do you mean? I, I I just didn't think. No, you didn't. Leon, come on. We gotta get out of here. Will you shut up? Hey, now wait a minute. What's with you? I got a present for you, Ed. Huh? Leon. Huh? No, 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 boss. Put that knife away. Sure. No, no. Oh, Leon. Oh. oh, Leon. Oh no, no. What's the matter with you? What did you do that for? I'm in a tough spot. I go faster alone, baby. Alone? Yeah, baby. You mean... Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You'd leave me. Look, I got no choice. You know how it is, kid. One might get through, but two, no chance. Uh, nothing to say, baby? Yeah. Go on, get out. Just like that, huh? Then what would happen to you? You might help the, kipe, uh, the cops find me, huh? Tell me, aren't you a little scared? No. Just sick. I've been sick since we got here. I wish I'd known what you were really like. I'd have laughed at you when you asked me to marry you. Oh? Well, go on, baby. Laugh now. Maybe it'll help. Well, go on. Laugh your head off. Trying nothing funny? <laughs> You're trying not to act scared. Jacoby don't scare you none, huh? <laughs> now I laugh. You're scared plenty because you think I might kill you. Well, well, say something. Don't just stand there. You're scared. You gotta be scared. Everybody's scared of Jacoby. Yeah. You slapped Jacoby. Okay, baby. Nobody slapped Jacoby. Not you, not the cops, not anybody. Maybe you like to beg me not to kill you, huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go on, beg. Oh. Okay. I think about you when I'm back in forensic, baby. <laughs> A 
I'll rub it there, Chief. Jacoby, hold it. What? Stop, Jacoby. Well, Jacoby had waited six years to get a crack at me, and it looked like he was going to finally get his chance. The alley was a dead end. I stopped and listened. The back of the alley was stacked with boxes, and along the sides, garbage cans. He could have been hiding anywhere along the line. I'm coming in, Jacoby. You want to give it up or do you want to play? The block's surrounded. Okay, okay, I ain't got a gun. Come on out. All right. All right, only don't shoot, Diamond. Walk over here. Hey, you see, I ain't got a gun. I don't shoot, please. Shut up, slob, and start walking out. Why you got to act like that for, huh, Diamond? Come on, Jacoby, move. What do you cops got against me? What'd I do, huh? Nothing, Jacoby. Not a thing. Start moving. Well, why you gotta get so tough? Whatever you're scared. Scared to death. Now, if you don't hurry up and move, I'm gonna shoot you full of holes. I'm so scared. All right, Diamond, all right. I ain't got no guns, so you can push me around like that. What are you gonna do to me, huh? Why, not a thing. Haven't you heard? The city went out and bought you a yacht. They like the way you kill people, so they're going to give you the yacht and send you back to Italy. Now walk out of that alley. Okay, okay, okay. Now you dirt. Over here, Walt. Over here. He pulled his knife on you, huh? Yeah, I didn't think I'd see it. Well, you're lucky you're dead. Yeah, well, I expected it. There used to be an old saying six years ago. When Leon Jacoby wants you dead, he'll use a knife and you'll lose your head. Now, he should have remembered I keep up on slogans. That's an awful story. Well, you wanted me to tell you about it. But it's so terrible, and you're so lucky. Yeah, I guess so. You'll certainly know better next time. Oh, I'll never make the same mistake again. Well, I should hope not. Imagine being in such a hurry you've forgotten through your socks in with all those lovely white shirts. Mm, plaid now, baby. Did the color run that much? Sweetheart, when I got back to the office, it looked like Picasso had been in my wash basin. My shirts are ruined. Well, don't you fret. Mommy's going to buy little old Rick a whole new batch tomorrow. Oh, no, no, no. Really, I couldn't. Uh, it's just against my principles to take anything from a woman. It is, huh? Uh, definitely. What's that song you're playing? 16 neck, 33 sleeve. What? <laughs> oh, you oh. idiot. <laughs> oh, I bet. I dropped a real old hint. Well, I'll drop a little old hint, too. Very subtly, of course. Sing. Oh, baby, you're the subtlest. Climb aboard a butterfly and take off on the breeze. Let your worries flutter by and do the things you please. In the land where dollar bills are falling off the trees. On a dreamer's holiday. Every day for breakfast there's a dish of scrambled stars. And for luncheon, you'll be munching rainbow candy bars. You'll be living a la mode on Jupiter or Mars on a dreamer's holiday. 
make it a long vacation Time there is plenty of You need no reservation Just bring along the one that you love Help yourself to happiness And sprinkle it with mirth Close your eyes and concentrate and dream for all your worth. You will feel terrific when you get back down to earth from a dreamer's holiday. How is that, honey? Huh? Davey, you're the craziest. What? Now, where did you pick up that expression? Oh, I get around now and then. I know a couple of musicians. Oh, I bet they all play lead kazoo. Come here. What do you want? When I lay one on you. What? Oh. What do you think of that, Pops? You want the honest truth? Uh-huh. Mm, solid. just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg. Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, David Ellis, Gene Bates, Edmund McDonald, and Charles McGraw. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written and directed by Blake Edwards. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a real-life married couple, Jim and Marion Jordan, to step into the roles of Fibber McGee and Molly. In tonight's show, we'll hear about Fibber needing glasses. The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Bibber McGee and Molly with Donald Novis, The Four Notes, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with The Best Things in Life Are Free. come indoors after a walk in the sunshine, does your home look as bright and cheery as you'd like to have it? Do your floors sparkle with a lustrous polish? If not, you'd better put some Johnson's self-polishing glow coat on those floors and on your linoleum, too. There's no hard work to it, no rubbing or buffing. Just spread glow coat lightly over the surface, let it dry for 20 minutes, and then see the beautiful glossy polish protecting your floors from dirt and wear. Now, there's a special sale right now on Johnson's self-polishing glow coat and Johnson's wax in giant-sized cans containing one-third more than the regular sizes. When you buy a pint of Johnson's wax or glow coat, you get a pint and one-third. When you buy a pound, you get a pound and one-third, and the one-third is free. 
Now the supply of giant sizes is limited, and they're going fast. So see your dealer the first thing tomorrow morning. Ask him for the money-saving giant size cans of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. a pretty little scene at 79 Westful Vista. Molly is sitting by the window darning socks. And Fibber, that human dynamo of flashing energy, is trying to reach a newspaper lying on the floor without getting out of his easy chair. Aha! He makes it! <laughs> and that, friends, is the picture we present tonight of Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, congratulations, McGee. Hmm, on what? Reaching the paper without getting out of that chair. <laughs> I guess you never heard it's good for you to stretch, Molly. That's what makes cats so healthy. They're always stretching. Oh. <laughs> well, turtles live longer and they don't stretch. <laughs> you know why turtles live so long. Why, Mr. Bones? <laughs> on account of they got a thick shell they can duck back under if they see they've stuck their neck out too far. <laughs> Heavenly days, McGee. How do you wear your socks out so fast? Look at them. Oh, well, they got to wear out sometime. Socks ain't immortal. <laughs> no, I suppose not. Well, what's in the paper, McGee? Huh? I says, what's the news in the paper? Uh, I don't know, Molly. What do you mean you don't know, Kent? Why, McGee, what's the matter, darling? Why do you look like that? There, there, there's something matter with me, Molly. The, the, the type is all blurry. Oh. I can't make head nor tail of it. It, it all runs together. Well, uh, maybe you need glasses, dearie. Oh. You been having any headaches lately? No. Well, yes, I have. I, I had a terrible one the morning after that party at the Elks Club. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that wasn't from any lack of glasses. <laughs> You're going downtown and see a good optimist. You mean optometrist. I mean oculus. Maybe you mean optician. I mean a man who examines you for glasses, Igernet. <laughs> I don't want to wear glasses, Molly. This is just a temporary condition. Oh, yeah? That's what my grandfather said when people stopped buying his buggy whips. <laughs> you know what you got? No. You got a pigmastism. <laughs> you really think I have? A pigmatism is pretty bad, ain't it? Why, why, well, uh, why, it's terrible. <laughs> Get your hat now. You're going downtown for some glass. Oh, Molly, let's wait a while. My eyes is all right if I rest them. Now, come on, dearie. You worry me. Oh, shucks. Besides, you look real distinguished in spectacles. Say, I bet I will at that. I'll get me a pair of the pinched nose kind with a black ribbon. Uh, people will probably think I'm a banker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you get them with blinkers on so they'll think you're a horse, but get them. <laughs> I wonder how you locate a good eye doctor. I'll ask information on the telephone. Hello, operator. Say, who's the best eye doctor? Oh, is that you, Mert? <laughs> it's Mert, Molly. Get to the point, gossip. <laughs> Hello, Mert. Say, you know a good eye doctor in town? Who? Oh, Dr. Gildersleeve, eh? 
Where's his office? 14th and Oak. Well, thanks, Mert. How's everything with you? What? Your cousin? What? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my. Where did it happen, Mert? What? Oh, Princeton, eh? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He was a nice guy, too. Oh, my. Well, well, don't take it too hard, Mert. Oh. And thanks for the information. So long, Mert. What was that, McGee? She lost her cousin in an accident. Oh, dear. He was a college student. Oh, what happened? He got swallowed by a goldfish. <laughs> It was bound to happen, folks, either on this program or some other one. <laughs> and we promise we'll have no more goldfish jokes, folks. Yep. We hereby sign the guppy pledge. <laughs> Hello there, Johnny. Hello, daughter. Want your pictures took setting on a pony? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Me? She says, no, we don't, old-timer. We don't like them trick pictures. Not since somebody's seen our wedding picture with me sitting down and Molly's hand on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and they tried to book us for a ventriloquist act. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, kids. But that ain't the way I heard it. No. <laughs> the way I heard it, one fire says to the other fella, See? I can't go to the Kentucky Derby next week. Lost too much money on the horse last year. Is that so, says t'other feller. Was he a favorite in the winter book? Must have been, says the first feller. He ran like he had snowshoes on. It <laughs> <laughs> always makes me stop and think, youngsters, when I see a three-year-old horse make a chump out of a 40-year-old man. <laughs> Duffer's got something there, Molly. That's the way it is with all the horses I ever bet on. If they see it's going to be a photo finish, they stop and pose. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I says they'd stop and pose. Ah, uh, ain't funny, McGee. <laughs> Chucks, I rather liked it. <laughs> Say, listen, are you going to go down and buy you some glasses? Are you going to neglect your eyes so... No, no, I'm, I'm going right away. But don't take it so serious, Molly. My eyes ain't really bad. Oh, no? No. Well, then take my sewing basket off your head and put your hat on. <laughs> I thought that brim seemed kind of narrow. <laughs> oh, hi, Billy. Oh, I was just leaving. Well, can't you wait a few minutes? Don Novus is going to sing my reverie. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Oh, I'd love to hear it, Mr. Mills. McGee's got to run down and get him a pair of glasses. Yeah. Glasses? Yeah, I got a pigmatism or, or something, really. <laughs> Must have strained my eyes. I was afraid that would happen. The type in those old joke books is terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, let me tell oh, you. Oh, his eyes aren't awfully bad, Billy. Well, these eyes aren't too good. You know what happened to him on the train going to California? No, what was that? Well, he had his smoke glasses on, and when he passed a mirror, he mistook himself for the porter and tipped himself $3. <laughs> never done no such a thing. Why, of course you didn't, dearie. No. Not three dollars. <laughs> now, you run along whilst I listen to Mr. Nova sing my reverence. All right. Well, see you later, Molly. So long, Billy. Take it, Don.
and see that this love was meant for me. Only a poor fool, never schooled in the world, fool of romance could be so cruel as you are to me. Could never begin to be so love me as I love you in my reverie. Make my dream a reality. Let's dispense with formality. Come to me. Dr. Gildersleeve in? Yes, sir. With reference to what did you wish to see him about, sir? <laughs> He's I, Dr. Annie. Yes, sir. What'd you think I wanted to see him about? Raising petunias? Just a minute, sir. Hello, doctor. And Mr. McGee is here to see you about raising petunias. I am not. You're not what, sir? A petunia. I mean, I didn't... Dad read it. It's about my eyes. Oh, correction, doctor. He's changed his mind about the petunias. Now it's his eyes. Yes, doctor. Will you have a chair, sir? The doctor will see you very shortly. Thanks. Move over a little, will you, bud? Thanks. Oh, that's okay, buddy. Which doctor are you waiting to see? Oh, none of them. They just hired me to sit here so it'll look like a busy joint, see? <laughs> well, say, you know anything about this Dr. Gildersleeve? He's a pretty good eye man, ain't he? Oh, he's wonderful. Mm -hmm. He treated me uncle for 15 years. That's so. Me uncle kept bumping into things, chairs and tables and stuff. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even walk downstairs alone. Oh, gee. What'd the doc find wrong with him? Nearsighted? No. Drunk. <laughs> For 15 years, huh? Oh, that was a snappy diagnosis. Good thing your uncle didn't have the seven-year itch. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, what's your trouble, buddy? I don't know. Touch of a pigmatism, I think. Ah, uh, you don't mean a pigmatism. You mean a strig <laughs> That's what I says. A prismastigum. Yeah. <laughs> 
Say, uh, nurse. Yes, sir. Uh, can the doc do anything about black eyes? Oh, yes, sir. We can fix them right up, sir. That's well. My girl's got black eyes, and I like blue ones better. I'll send her in. <laughs> right guy. I suppose he'll be back for an eye wash because his girl gave him a dirty look. <laughs> Hey, what you laughing at, mister? Oh, hello there, little girl Hi <laughs> Are you waiting to see the doctor, too? Sure Nothing serious, I hope Sure Sure what? Hmm? I... Oh, skip it <laughs> There's something wrong with your eyes? I hope you ain't been reading in bed too much Oh, you mean stories like Mother Goose and Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red Riding Hood? Yes No oh. <laughs> Well, then what is the matter with your eyes? Oh, I bet you there's nothing the matter with them, I bet you. Well, then what you waiting to see the doctor for? Well, gee, mister, I... Hmm? Oh. <laughs> Shucks, just let it go, sis. Sure. Hey, mister, you know what? No, what? Hmm? Oh. <laughs> I says, no, what? I got a turtle and a chicky and a puppy and a kitty. And when the doctor comes out, I'm going to have a duck, too, I bet you. <laughs> you are, huh? <laughs> well, is the doctor going to give you a duck? No, but I'm going to wait till he lays an egg. <laughs> the duck? No, the doctor. My papa says he's just an old quack. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this doc ain't a quack Hey, nurse Yes, sir What's Doc Gildersleeve's first name? Donald Oh, dear <laughs> I'm afraid of that I don't seem to be able to I tell you, doctor, I feel like a new woman And to think I never thought of that treatment myself Thank you so much, Dr. Wilcox Dr. Wilcox. That's quite all right, Mrs. Jones. And remember, no heavy housework. You keep on using the Johnson's Glow Coat I prescribed for your floors and linoleum. Just pour out a little and spread it around with the long-handled applier, and I promise you, you'll never have that backache again. It's a marvelous treatment. My floors look simply wonderful. And Johnson's Glow Coat keeps floors from wearing out, too, doesn't it, Doctor? Yes, indeed, Mrs. Jones. But we're just as much interested in keeping floors from wearing out people as we are to keep people from wearing out floors. Ah, listen to that guy, will you? When he was a bouncing baby, they didn't know he'd grow up into a medicine ball. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, Mrs. Jones. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Mrs. Jones, you've been worrying too much about your budget. I'd suggest you get some of those special giant-sized cans of Johnson's Wax or Glow Coat with the extra third free before they're all gone. Oh, thank you, Dr. Wilcox. Don't mention it, Mrs. Joe. <laughs> hey, Harpo. Oh, hello, Fibber. Hey, what is this? Thank you, Dr. Wilcox. Don't mention it, Mrs. Jones. Huh. Sounds like Gallagher and Sheen in an ambulance. <laughs> when did you get to be a doctor? Oh, I'm not a regular doctor, but I run a floor clinic in this building. Dr. Wilcox, Ph.D. Ph.D.? Oh, doctor of philosophy. No, perfect housekeeping department. <laughs> well, excuse me now, pal. I've got several patients waiting. <laughs> that guy's in a different job every week. He sold glow coats so long, he just can't help spreading himself around. <laughs> Come back again next week, Mrs. Weedledeck, and I'll fit you for glasses. Oh, no, you don't, Sonny. No glasses for me. No, sir. 
there. <laughs> What's the matter, Grandma? You ain't too vain to wear spectacles, are you? No, Shorty, but why should I wear them? I've seen everything. <laughs> Now, <laughs> well, a merry old soul with a little rundown. <laughs> you ready to see me, Doc? I'm in a kind of a hurry. Oh, I certainly. Come in, Mr. McGee. Okay, bud. Now then, uh, just what seems to be the trouble? Well, I got a pigmatism or something. I tried to read a newspaper this morning, and, and the type got all blurry and run together. Is that so? Probably a slight conjunctivitis of the inferior corona. <laughs> uh, uh, close your eyes tight. Okay. You see anything? No. Very interesting. Uh, any history of eye trouble in your family? Only my cousin Sanford. Blondes made him wink. Hey, bless <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Well-known disease. We call it peroxidus flirtatious. <laughs> One usually outgrows it, though. <laughs> now, just sit here a moment while I adjust the pupilometer. <clears throat> Steady now. Okay, bye. Oh, splendid. What is it? They turned on my current again. Somebody must have paid my light bill. <laughs> <laughs> now, while I hold my hand over your left eye, McGee, you read the top line on that chart over there. Uh, ready? Yep. Uh, what does it say? It says M-K-N-P-G-X-B-T. Very good. Now the other eye. Read the same line. M-K-N-P-G-X-B-T. Oh, boy, my eyes are worse than I thought. I read it twice, and it still don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> now, try these spectacles on for size, McGee. That's it? How's that? Oh, say, these are wonderful, Doc. I can see just as plain. Is that so? <laughs> Those are just the frames. I haven't put the lenses in yet. <laughs> now, uh, uh, try these lenses, McGee. Left lens and right lens. Uh -huh. Now then, better? Oh, great. How much I owe you, Doc? Uh, $25. And well worth it, too. Here you are. Thank you. Come in again next week, McGee, and we'll check your reaction. Okay, Doc. Boy, these are wonderful glasses. Why? I can see a guy out the window there, and it, boy, it looks like I could just reach right out and touch him. Yeah, you can. That's the window washer. Yeah. <laughs> Good day, McGee. Basin Street, Basin Street. It's street where folks all meet, where you can lose. Lose your blues. Oh, come along with me. Down the Mississippi. We'll take a boat to the land of dreams. Steam down the river, down to New Orleans. Fans there meet us. Old friends greet us. There's the dock and night folks meet. Heaven on earth, they call it Basin Street. Basin Street is the street where the elite always meet in New Orleans, land of dreams. You never know how nice it seems just to be there with me. We're welcome free. Yes, sir, where I can lose my Basin Street blues. Oh, that's the street, yeah, it's the street where light and dark folks always meet. Oh, wow. Ah. Oh, Basin Street, yeah, that's the street where the elite you'll always meet. Oh, wow. Ah. Oh, Basin Street, come along with me. Down Mississippi, we'll take a boat to the land of dreams. Steam down the river to New Orleans. Friends to greet us, that's where the dark and light folks meet. They 
call it Mason Street. Mason Street, Mason Street, it's the street where folks all meet, where you can lose, you can lose the blues, blues, the blues, blues, lose your blues on Mason Street. Great going, kids. Folks, that was the four notes singing the Basin Street Blues. Boy, are these spectacles wonderful. Probably changed my whole appearance, too. I bet nobody recognizes me in these new spectacles. Oh, how do you do, Mr. McGee? Oh, sure. <laughs> 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 Lovely day, isn't it? Oh, hi, Eppy. Yes, it is now, but no, it looked kind of bad for a while when I thought my eyes was on the bum. I gotta wear these glasses. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I should wear them myself, you know, but I think it ages a girl so, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Age a lot faster if you can't see where you're going, up eh? <laughs> Besides, I seen you at the theater the other night with glasses. You had them on a little stick. Oh, yes, yes. My lawn, yet. Oh, what's the idea of the handle on them? <laughs> Your nose tender? <laughs> Please, Miss McGee, that is ridiculous. That's just what I told Molly. I says, Molly, get a load of Uppy. She's got her cheaters on stilts. <laughs> thinks they're very distinguished. And, of course, they are quite de rigueur at the theater. Quite what? <laughs> quite de rigueur. Oh, well, don't worry about that. They always fog up when you come into a warm place from outside. Why, <laughs> sure. Well, when mine do that, I just wipe them off on the side of my pants, and I don't know why you can't do the same. Uh, when you get married to Boomer, I Why? I says, when are you getting married to Boomer, Uppy? Oh, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to be married in June, Miss McGee. Yes. Oh, oh I'm so, I am such a happy girl. Just counting the golden days as they slip by. Uh -huh. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to be in love and watch the unfolding of another person's character under the gentle influence of tender emotions? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me Boomer's character is unfolding. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'll bet even when it's completely unfurled, you could still tuck it in the back of a small wristwatch. <laughs> oh, but really, he has a beautiful character, Mr. McGee. Is that so? Yes, oh, yes. Now, for instance, I discovered him reading a little booklet the other day on the prevention of cruelty to animals. Oh, oh I was so pleased, really. Yeah, I bet you were. What was the name of the book, Uppy? Uh, let me see. Um, oh, yes, yes. It was called You Can't Beat the Ponies. <laughs> Just as if anyone would want to beat a dear little pony. <laughs> but you see, Mr. McGee, it's just those little things which make me so sure of Horatio. Uh -huh. Or do you think I'm being just a silly girl? <laughs> oh, well, it's so nice to have seen you, Mr. McGee. Goodbye. Good Goodbye. So long, Abby. You can't beat the ponies. <laughs> Old Uppy may belong to the upper crust, but she's beginning to crumble. <laughs> Boy, are these glasses wonderful. I'll have to hurry in and show them to Molly. Hey, Molly, I done it. Look. Oh, they're nice, aren't they? <laughs> Can you see good through? Swell. Where's that newspaper I was trying to read this morning? Right where you threw it, careless. Under the chair. Oh, yeah. Oh, now I can really read it. Boy, is this going to be a pleasure. Uh -oh. Come in. Oh, hello there, Cupid. Hello, Fisher. How's every little... Well, for scream sake, Fisher, when are you starting in to be wearing sp skeptical? 
spectacles, Nick. I just got them. Pretty doggy, eh? Yeah. His eyes were getting a little weak, Mr. DePopolis. Yeah. They look nice on him, don't they? Kind of distinguished looking. Oh, sure. As a matter of fact, I was saying to somebody last night that if anybody should be extinguished, it is my friend Fizzer. <laughs> you mean distinguished, Nick. Extinguished means to get put out. Well, for once, I guess I know what I'm talking about then, if I know what you mean. <laughs> ah, but all of the kidding over on one side, Fizzer. Those skepticals are very be-going to you. Hmm? Be-going? Oh, you mean becoming, Mr. DePopolis. Well, going or coming, Cupid, they're the nuts, I'm thinking. <laughs> wait till I show you how I can read with them. Well, speaking of newspapers, Fizzer, the reason Now, wait a minute, I... Nick. Wait, wait till I try these glasses on this small tie. Yes, but Oh, oh McGee, what's the matter? Molly, I, I still can't read. The type still runs all together. Oh, well, you got the wrong glasses then. Dad read it anyway, and I thought I was all set. Why, look, it even makes me dizzy to look at the headlines. But listen, if you're letting me get an edge in word ways... <laughs> well, uh, what is it, Mr. DePopolis? That is the newspaper I'm leaving here by mistake last night. Well, what of it? That's a Greek newspaper. What? <laughs> A Greek newspaper? Heavenly day. Then I don't need glasses on my... Oh, sure. extend our congratulations and best wishes to the Johnson Wax people in Racine, Wisconsin, who this week opened their beautiful new office building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. And it's the most modern and unique building of its kind in the world. Indeed it is. And if you're touring around this summer, folks, why, they'd be glad to have you drop in and look it over. It's well worth a visit. Yeah, and while you're there, if, if you should happen to remember that you need some glow coat or some furniture polish... McGee. Huh? Oh, good night. Good night, all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if the community in which you live does not observe daylight saving time, River McGee and Molly will come to you one hour earlier beginning next week. Please consult your local newspaper for time and station. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Local at Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcast. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by Ozzy and Harriet. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.